0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. All right, this morning as we look in God's Word in John chapter 18, Um, how many of you okay if I tell a blonde joke today and you won't be offended? Oh, I got a lot more people offended. They didn't raise their hand already. Okay, I'm going to say it anyways and pray for the best. I heard about this man who was sitting in this dark restaurant, and he said to the ladies next to him, would you like to hear a blonde joke? Well, she said, before you tell me, you should know I'm blonde, I'm six foot tall, and I'm a professional bodybuilder." She said this, the lady next to me is blonde, she's six foot two, and a professional wrestler, and the lady next to her is blonde, six foot five, and the kickboxing champion of the world. Now, do you still want to tell me? And he thought about it a moment. And he says, No, not if I'm going to have to explain it three times. <laughs> we need some fun today because the world's a little bit uptight. <laughs> we come to this election week and there's so much going on in our world. In our nation, sometimes this infighting, lack of unity, and angst that goes on, right? And, um, you know, after the election, 50% will be happy. The other 50% will be sad because their candidate did or did not win. But listen, I just want to encourage us the body of Christ. Would you pray, I'm sure you've been praying already, that there would be peace in our nation, There would be God's peace, more importantly, not man's peace. We need God's peace, amen, that would be in our nation, it would infiltrate our cities and our communities, and um, also that I want to encourage us as believers to vote biblical values. That's what we're called to vote for, right? Biblical values. And so today, as we're looking into God's Word, I want to just remind us that I think many times We've forgotten who we are as Christians, and Jesus is going to bring us back to, in this passage, in the arrest, trial, and denial, what we're really called to fight for in the day that we live in. You know, the primary flag that we rally behind is not Republican, nor is it Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, Constitution Party, Independent, or anything else you call yourself— We may think certain candidates or even a certain party does a better job in certain situations, but ultimately, we are not the party of the donkey or the elephant. We are the people of the Lamb of God. Amen? Amen. And and soon to be the return of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let's not forget what we're a part of. John 18, if you have your Bibles, I want to show you another place where Jesus taught this. Did he teach on this? Yes, he taught on this. It's true in his word. Leading up to this, his trial, his crucifixion, the last hours, when the soldiers came to take Jesus prisoner in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Peter pulled out his sword and tried to take off one of their heads, didn't he? He missed. He ended up slicing off one of their ear, a soldier's ear, and Jesus patiently reaches down picked up the guy's ear and reattached it. Now, if you ever wonder what that experience is like, this has got to be incredible. I don't think most of us have. You're there to arrest the guy, but uh, he just picked up the bloody ear off the ground and reattached it to your head. You know, I'm, I'm not sure about you, but I feel like that would make me lose some of my motivation to arrest Jesus, wouldn't it, at that moment? And Jesus tells Peter, and I'm reading from Matthew before we go into John, He says, this this kingdom I'm bringing, Peter, does not depend on you bringing it by force, nor is it sustained by the sword in your hand. Later that night, John chapter 18, Jesus stood before Pilate, the Roman governor in charge, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? To which Jesus responded, my kingdom is not of this world. And if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. But as it is in verse 36, my kingdom is not from here. Matthew says, Peter, put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword are going to perish by the sword. Or do you not think that I cannot call on my father and he would provide for me here and now with more than 12 legions of angels to help me? That the Savior, you understand, that is pointed out in this passage of John chapter 18, the Savior that we hope in, the Savior that we adore, to whom we pledge our first allegiance, did not bring a kingdom that that would operate by the same rules as this earthly kingdom. That political weaponry, uh, military weaponry, would be of little value in sustaining or advancing the kingdom of God. A couple of thoughts on this passage if you're taking notes today of John chapter 18 as it relates to God's kingdom that we realize God has set us on a course this year that our theme for 2020 is your kingdom come. Amen. That that I want to kind of just rewind a little bit and look at this word kingdom for a second that when you and I have God's person And knowing who he is, knowing that God's power overrules every other kingdom on this earth, when you get that straight, then you've got to connect with God's plan. Once you have the person of God connected, right, then you can go to the plan of God connected in your life. And his plan is summed up in one word, and that word is kingdom. Can you say the word kingdom? Kingdom. Couple of thoughts, John chapter 18. This is Jesus' focus during his arrest, his trial, and the denial. The first one is Jesus came to preach for heart change. If you ever wonder why Jesus came, Jesus came to preach for heart change. And in this chapter, you see the politics of the day that is being played out as Jesus was led to Annas. Then he's led to the house of Caiaphas, to the governor's headquarters, and finally he gets to Pilate. And Pilate knows that he is being played in front of the people, and he caves to the pressure of the people in that day. And he gives the crowd a ridiculously easy choice, Jesus or Barabbas in that day. Will you pick Jesus or will it be Barabbas? Now, you understand as you go back, Barabbas was an insurrectionist and a robber. He harmed so many people in that day. He was a menace to society. He deserved to die. The people are left to a choice between Barabbas and Jesus. Jesus, the one who fed the 5,000, taught people to love their enemies, that he would die for all of humanity which gives you the clearest picture of why Jesus came to you and to me and to planet earth in the first place. That Barabbas is a bad guy and he is a rebel. Jesus, the picture of innocence. Jesus will die and Barabbas will go free. And scholars point out that Barabbas' name is a strange one. Bar of Barabbas in Hebrew means son of. Abbas means father. So Barabbas means son of a father or son of a man. Anybody here not the son or daughter of a father? You see, Barabbas by his very name represents every man and woman on planet earth that has ever lived. Like Barabbas, you and I are rebels against the plan of God and the rule of God that Jesus will die in our place we see he was bound so that you and me we could go free and the gospel comes down to this word of substitution that Jesus will die in my place and in your place it's Jesus in our place today that Jesus came to preach and to live, and to die, and be resurrected again to change your heart, and to change my heart. That's why Jesus came, that we see in our world that politics are important, but they are not the issues of first importance, and that's because the solutions that we need are not primarily political ones. They are heart issues first and foremost. Thus, Jesus didn't come offering politics. He came first to preach heart change. How do we know that? A few weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 14 and verse 1 where he says, let not your hearts be troubled. That's just not a standalone statement. That Just don't let your heart be troubled. It's going to be okay. No, he connects it as he keeps going through. He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. That your hearts don't have to be troubled when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. When you're connected with him and you have salvation and you know that he has redeemed you, that our hearts don't have to be troubled. Why? Because of our belief in God. And I hope you realize that this approach is so unique inside of leaders and religious leaders, even of his day, but... Moses' ministry had a political program. He got the Torah, and it's meticulously written. Muhammad, his leadership was primarily political. He rode in on a white horse, and he conquered cities. Jesus was one of the only religious leaders to avoid that. When Jesus was presented with a, a particular social justice situation, here's his words, says, Man, who appointed me a judge or devourer over you? Is that because Jesus wasn't capable of giving an opinion? No, it's because Jesus' task has always been different from every other religious leader ever born. God had not appointed him to play that role. His role was to preach the good news to every person on both sides of the issues. Amen? There's further evidence of this. There are, there are plenty of political and societal reforms needed and that were needed in the first century century. More than in ours. Some of you say, Our world's a mess. I don't know if it could have gotten any worse. If I just encourage you, would you just rewind back to the first century and would you take a look in there? They needed so much societal reforms more than even in the day that we live in. Yet you don't see the apostles prescribing political solutions to any of them. Many times, we're trying to prescribe philosophical answers to political issues that were never meant to answer those issues. Paul could have preached human thinking and knowledge. He was very educated. Not because he wasn't smart enough to think of answers. He was certainly capable of that analysis. But listen, in the act of incredible discipline, he chose not so that he could preach the gospel to every person. And that is so important to know that that the gospel that Jesus and the apostles preached planted the seeds. Now get this. The gospel that they preached planted the seeds that would ultimately lead to all of these societal reforms that were needed in that day. Like feeding the poor, like helping the immigrant and sharing what they had in common, believing the gospel has political ramifications and it changes hearts and minds. The apostle, as, as its representatives, kept itself focused on preaching the good news and proclaiming these things that Jesus explicitly commanded. And because of that, Jesus had a way of bringing into close community people from different persuasions, uniting them in all of these pressing causes that Jesus came to preach the gospel so that hearts and lives could be changed. That why his kingdom is in heaven, but his kingdom was made to touch and influence planet earth. Amen. He came to preach for heart change. Number two, don't forget the unity in community. Amen. Amen when we're really trying to go after and fight for our communities, fight for our homes and fight for our church and fight for what is happening in our nation, don't forget the unity in community. And here's the point. The early Christians found in Jesus something superseded their differences, that they would end up loving each other enough to die for each other. I'm not sure how much of that would take place in the day we live but it happened in the first century. And that cause that they rallied behind and around superseded those agendas. Jesus wouldn't let the tax collector or the zealot define his disciples, did he? Their mission was more essential than that. The gospel, the good news was always higher and it was always paramount. Jesus said, Father, may they be one just as you and I are one, John 17, 21, that we realize that true unity is power. Amen. But there's no power when there's disunity. There's no power when there's strife. There's no power when there's discord. There's no power when there's sedition. This is what Jesus is getting to. He's saying, listen, understand that I'm talking to you about something higher and something that is greater, and that is my kingdom that I want to bring to this earth that will change the hearts and the minds of people forever. Listen, if we had more people guarding the unity in community, the church would be filled with the power of Acts chapter 2. So come on, church, let's get that straight. Can I hear an amen today? Come on, let's start fighting for the right things and start leaving the other things behind, right? Because God knows, God knows that this world needs Jesus. The Lord knows that our nation needs the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some things we have to be clear on, the wrongness of discrimination, the wickedness of abortion, that marriage is between a man, and a woman. Those are biblical answers to the things that the world systems keep trying to redefine. The world is constantly trying to redefine what God has already defined, and that's why we are in the mess that we are in. Amen? Church, I'm not here preaching politics to you today. I'm preaching Jesus. See many times we care more about how our neighbor votes than where they will spend eternity. Sometimes churches aren't divided over theological issues or the Bible. Sometimes they do. But emphasis, though, comes many times more on politics. And for that, it should grieve our hearts. Let me ask you this. When you walk by your neighbor's house or You drive by your neighbor's house, and they have that sign in their yard. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? In Promoting the wrong candidate in your mind. So listen, is your first instinct, how could they be so dumb? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on that one, okay? (laughs) Or it could be you're thinking about whether you could slip into their yard at night and remove the sign? I mean, how many of you ever thought that? I mean, really, thank you. Well, she didn't get to raise her own hand. You raised your hand for her. How many of you have really taken the sign from, no, I'm not going to see that right now, but okay. Or is your first thought, I wonder, do they know the Lord and how can I pray for them? Really? The gospel has political implications. Please hear me. God has called his people to be salt and light. I'm not downing politics, but what I am saying is God's kingdom is hired in the politics and the agenda of this world, amen? That he's called us to be salt and light in every sphere of society, bringing his peace, bringing the shalom of God into every dimension of our lives. That the Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the sea is his. Because why? He made it. And his hands formed the dry land. There is not one square inch of the entire cosmos over which Jesus does not declare it's mine. Amen? It's his already. Christians as members, we understand that, that the church isn't an organization. Sometimes that can feel very sterile. But we are an organism in that we should seek to apply the Christian worldview that God has given to us into every sphere of the society that God has placed us in. That's what he's talking about. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? And let me tell you something. And this is more than than just advocating for the sanctity of life and marriage. Those are very important things. The freedom we have today came from Christians, though, who got involved in politics. Please hear me, okay? So we can't sit idly by and watch those freedoms go and say politics don't matter. We need to urge people to apply God's wisdom to all of creation, If you own a business today, God has placed you in a very prominent place of influence in your area of business so that you would bring the kingdom of God, the shalom of God into that place. God has put you, amen, that in your home, whatever God has put you in charge of and in control of or or student in your campus, God wants you to bring his kingdom into that very aspect so that it would go through every bit of your business your workplace, or your campus, that we realize that, that the care for the poor, yes, for education, and that is so important. But we are also called, so those of you, I just want to encourage you to go vote this week. If you haven't already, I heard people in the first service told me many of them had already voted. That's great. I just pray that each and every one of us would take the time to pray before we vote, because really, if we're Christians, we need God's agenda rather than our own. Because God can see things that I and you can never see. Amen? And I love it how people think, I am right on every political issue. You ever found out as you got down the road and the older you got in life, you weren't right on every issue, and neither was I. Why? Because we see, we can't see clearly. What should we pray, 1 Timothy 2? Pray for kings and all in authority that we may live in peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That's what Paul's telling us to pray. Why? Well, Jeremiah in the Old Testament, 29 and verse 7, Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city means working for justice and equality under the law, the promotion of education, business, security and defense, and many, many other things As we go back to Matthew 26 in the garden, Jesus said to Peter, this is so important, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Sword here is not just limited to military power. It would mean any earthly weaponry, the sword of our intellect or the sword of political perspective is limited and it will ultimately fail us. If Simon the zealot and Matthew the tax collector could get along so can you and your political opponents upon this earth. These things should not cause us division, right? Don't forget the unity in community. It's why Jesus died. It's why he gave himself up amongst the many reasons so that the two, the two parties could become one. Amen? So that people on different odds of the perspective can come together and be One, yes, we have opinions, we have things, but listen, let's not let our earthly agenda get above the kingdom agenda. Amen? Third, I love this one. Jesus did not come to take sides. He came to take over. And I hope that you get this one in your spirit. Jesus didn't come to this earth to take sides. He came to take over. If Jesus' kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, it follows that no earthly party is going to be his party either. The left and the right are both earthly parties. They are both going to get things right and wrong. And listen, by the way, I'm not saying both parties are equally, like, equally wrong, they're, they're, that there's, there's never a wiser or more righteous source. That's not what I'm saying. Just that earthly institutions are always shaped and corrupted by sin because all of us have idols. We should be, in one sense, above both sides as you look at the kingdom, willing to affirm them when they get it right, critique them when they get it wrong, giving our soul to neither of them as believers. The wrong question to ask is, God, which side are you on this week? Right? Are you with me? Say yes. God, which side are you on? Whose side are you on, God? Which party, God, are you going to vote for this week? We should be asking instead, what does God say on every issue that's coming up? That's a better route to go. Like Joshua, when he encounters the angel of the Lord's presence, and he says, are you for us, are you for our enemies? Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, and the angel says, neither, but as the commander of the Lord's army, I come. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He doesn't ride on the back of a donkey and an elephant. He walks on his own two feet, and he's able to do it. I love, and I hope that you hear me today, I love that I live in the United States of America. And if you're thankful, could you give the Lord a great big hand clap today as well? Amen. And we are thankful. Are you thankful today? I hear people that come up to an election every time they're able to vote. I'm not going to go vote. What? There there are countries you can live in in the world. You don't get the opportunity to vote. There's not a democracy that we have the opportunity to go vote because we live in the United States of America. And I am thankful for that. And I'm, I'm patriotic And I don't take the achievements of our Constitution for granted either. Jesus said to Peter, as he says to you and me, put away your sword. My kingdom is not of this world. The weapons of my warfare, they are not not earthly ones. I mean, just go through this year alone and think of all the divisions that has come up. All the things that keep coming up, and daily, it just seems to arise. Other things that tries to get in the middle of families and marriages, the things that try to come up and get in the mar- middle of, of people in their workplace or why they will or won't do anything, things that keep coming up in, in, in churches and in communities and in our nation, all of these things. And, and so I want you to tell you this, that Jesus tells us as he tells Peter, put away your sword. Because long before those things ever hurt the, hit the physical, they were already in the spiritual realm. And the way that you take them out is by prayer. Prayer. That, no, I'm not down on America. I'm thankful for this country. But I don't look at it as my ultimate home. That I'm headed to a kingdom that can never be shaken. Amen. America has great virtues. It was formed out of Judeo-Christian values, and we've continued to pull away from those. In church, we need to continue to pl- pray for, the, for Israel because that's what God's called us to do. That we and I aren't called to seek a a kingdom that's headquartered in Washington, D.C., but the one with Jesus who said whose foundation cannot be shaken, whose architect and builder is God. No party is God's party. Both are earthly parties. Both are going to get things right. Both are going to get things wrong. And this is where we need to give each other grace and space. We can agree on issues even if our political calculus and math looks a little different. Yeah, we should talk about it. We should talk about those things. It's okay to talk about it. And, um, but we need to do this. So, so to return to where we started, as we go in, into this election week here, I mean, what emotions are you feeling? Is it anxiety? Is it cynicism? Is despair? I mean, I don't know about you. I was telling Chris the other week, every time we come up to this political season, I just got to shut the TV off. And some of them are like, it's just too much. It's just too much. I remind myself who I am. I'm, I'm a child of God, and, and God, your kingdom is so much greater. I need to pray more. Pray. What emotions, though, are you feeling today? And if you understood what Jesus said here, as he goes through this whole dialogue, and the rest trial denial, John chapter 18, and he goes to Pilate, these emotions, he says, need to be replaced by two things, hope and urgency. Hope and urgency. Hope and urgency. Hope. What do I mean by that? Friend, at the end of the day, Jesus wins. Amen, church? At the end of the day, on any given day, Jesus wins. When Jesus, amen, that's true. I mean, he wins. So let's be reminded of that. I mean, where's your hope? When Jesus went into his his trial, there was only one vote that mattered, and it was God, and and it it was cast, and and it took him all the way to the resurrection. So listen, when your candidate resurrects from the dead, you win. How many of you are with me? I mean when when that candidate resurrects, that's what he did for us. That's a win. Amen. His kingdom wins. And it's not contingent on what happens in the next few days. Please, please. If that's all you can think about, that's very myopic, it's very small. Jesus is coming to his pastor and saying, listen, there's all these earthly agendas and priorities, and yes, go vote, do what you're called to do, and love justice, mercy, and all those things. But he says, my kingdom is not of this world, and I want my kingdom to come and impact your kingdom. It doesn't mean we're not going to hurt sometimes. Oh, our candidate didn't win. They're going to get knocked down. It's going to be discouraging. Our country makes wrong turns. But friend, Jesus still wins. Instead of cynicism, we can have, and we should have hope. Instead of despair, we should have urgency. People need the Lord. Jesus promises hope and urgency out of anxiety and despair and cynicism, all those things. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they're Democrats, Republicans, or independent. It only matters if they know Jesus. That everything in this world is eventually going to crumble, but Jesus remains. That's why the gospel is first and always our first priority here to preach that. Now, listen, I, like you, do not know where this world is headed. I don't know where our culture or society is going many times, but I know where Jesus is going. So, sure, let's talk about politics. But here's our one main talking point. Both Democrats and Republicans need Jesus. Amen? And, and you've heard me say this before. In heaven, you, you know, you're going to live next to a Democrat or Republican, so just get over it right now. Amen? Right? I mean, seriously, get over it right now. The body of Christ just says to get over it. Get over it. That's a whole nother my get over it, right? So we know this, we see this in his word, because the ultimate salvation we have is not found in the office of Washington, D.C., it's hung on the cross outside of Jerusalem. Sure, let's talk about the economy. Let's do that, but our main message is that both rich and poor need Jesus just the same. And yes, let's talk about race. Let's do that. And, and Jesus came to, 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 make, to make us one, that unified family of brothers and sisters out of every single one of us. And yes, let's talk about COVID, okay? But let's make clear that whether we take a vaccine or not, we're all going to die if Jesus Christ does not come back again soon because we all need Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's kingdom talk. That's kingdom business. These subjects matter, but they are not more important than Jesus. That we can realize that Jesus Christ is our absolute victory this morning. Is he your victory? I pray today, if he's not your victory, that you make him your victory today. Because no matter what happens, no matter what comes this week, weeks ahead, days ahead, years ahead, all of these things, that you made Jesus Christ your victory. And with that, you can have hope. But also, we can have urgency. Because people still need Jesus at the end of the day. They still need to see him through you and through me. That's why Paul, through First Timothy, First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that you and I may lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. It's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his goal, that people would come to the knowledge of the truth. That's a kingdom statement. That's a kingdom statement. I tell you guys something else about kingdom-minded people? Kingdom-minded people have an abundance mindset. Are you with me, church? God keeps putting this in my spirit. If we're kingdom-minded people, we don't have a scarcity mindset. Hello? Are you with me? Kingdom-minded people have an abundance mindset. And that is their mindset every day when they get up, when they go to bed at night. We serve a God of abundance, not scarcity, not living out of fear, turmoil, but there's abundance. So as we prepare to pray today, I want to pray for those in authority. And I pray that you would do that as well as we come into this election week, that we know God is absolutely in control, no matter what happens, that he is able. So Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, the command couldn't be any clearer, that you've called us to pray, intercede, and thank you for all people so that you and I and people in this world can live a peaceable and quiet life, both godly and dignified. And Lord, I pray that as we pray this continually, God, that we would obey this command in 1 Timothy 2, That we want to pray for all kinds of people around us, God. Even right now, Lord, the vast array of people that come to our minds, that we're called to pray for, people that we work with, people that we live next to, people that we live with, people from all kinds of different backgrounds, Lord, that we pray for them. We pray for leaders in high positions, We pray for our president and our vice president today. We pray for the leaders of the Senate and the House of Representatives. We pray for governors. We pray for legislatures, politicians, judges, people that you have put in high positions. God, we pray that they would know you as their Savior. Lord, that you desire all men and women to come to the knowledge of the truth. We pray that you would give them wisdom, Lord, and that they would lead well, they would lead with righteousness, they would lead with justice, they would lead for the good of those whom they lead. Help them, Lord. Lord, to in their leadership roles and their leadership positions, to look to you, Lord God, that they would trust in your word. God, that they would be led to you Lord God, entrust you as a sovereign God with humility and goodness and grace and wisdom so that each and every one of us would lead peaceful, quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way so that, God, we can reflect your character. We pray this not only... Just in the United States of America, we pray for this world. We pray for kings and prime ministers, leaders in high positions around the world, that we believe you desire for them to be saved. Draw them to the knowledge of you, O oh God, we pray, as we come in alignment with 1 Timothy chapter 2, so that, Lord, the word of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, would go to the corners of this planet so that other people may know you. So Father, I thank you for it. And we love you, Lord, that you are ultimately in control no matter what happens because Jesus, you win. And for that, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.